Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Youth of the Nation podcast. I know it's been a couple weeks. It's been crazy time, and I've been tired, and uh, I know so many of you have probably been really tired. And so if you're listening to this regularly, uh, I apologize and that we haven't been putting content out, but I'll let you know that uh, we are getting back to that, and we want to put content out and we want to make episodes for you guys and so don't forget that this is the youth of the nation podcast and i love recording this love talking about this so we're going to get into it we're going to dive right in a couple topics i want to talk about today thoughts about some things today is uh the coronavirus is over Uh, i've had someone argue with me that the black lives matter movement is violent what's right and um my leadership topic or maybe my leadership thought would be how to effectively disagree with somebody. So, because I think just in general, we're going to disagree with people. We're going to disagree with the people that uh, God has placed in front of us and that we're supposed to lead. And so how do we disagree with them in an effective way? And I don't think that we should say, well, let's just agree to disagree. I don't think that is. I think if there's truth that needs to be shared, then we should share that truth. I don't think we should allow someone's thought allow someone's process to make us make us feel fearful and then we don't tell others where they need to be corrected because i think the issue what we've run into so much is that we believe everyone uh we believe everyone's right or everyone has a right to an opinion and while that's true especially if we are believers we must remind people of what the correct way is what the correct thought process is. If you know a believer that doesn't love their neighbor or hates someone, then we are called to correct that, right? We are called to correct that behavior, correct those thoughts, correct those decisions. So we have to correct, we have to make things right. And so I think for so many of us, too many of us believers, uh, we're fatigued, we're tired, we're tired of correcting people, but I wanna remind us that that's what we have to keep doing. Don't get tired. Don't get weary. And if you do run to the source and run to the people around you that can have these healthy, safe, um, honest race conversations. And so before I dive into that, y'all, I just want to talk about real quick. Is the coronavirus over? Uh, The answer is no. But what I've seen so much of and so often of is people believing that since we want to follow guidelines, since we want to be safe, protect our peoples, that we are cowards, that we are listening to the enemy, uh, we're listening to the lies of the devil. And I just want to tell you today, I don't think that's true. I think if you are deciding to protect your people, protect your family, protect your what what's around you, I don't think you are. Um, how should, you know? I don't think you are hurting someone. I don't think you are a bad person for wanting to protect your family, wanting to be safe. So the coronavirus isn't over. And so it's just so funny to me because you're you're out here and you see these people on beaches and, and, and I've done stuff. I've went out to eat. I've, I've hung out with people. I, you know, I've hung out with so many people and, but I feel like we've done it in the safest way possible that we can. Uh, in the ways of social distancing, masks on, when, you know, whatever, or if if you're at a shindig, just, I think so, uh, so many of us 
uh, we think the coronavirus over just because we moved into a phase or moved into a different phase. I want to tell you, whatever, wherever you're at, because where I live, Washington is one of the strictest places. Don't forget that we got to keep going. We got to keep growing. And, and I think for so many of us, man, we just woke up one day and we're like, man, the coronavirus is over. It, it stopped happening. Uh, let's forget about it. And I want to say, don't forget about the coronavirus. Don't forget about it. Uh, I don't think that we should. I, I, and, I, and I think that so many of us have uh, been like, hey, it's over. Let's move on. Forget about it. We can't move on from this. We uh, there is no returning back to normal. And I would say that's for this and for the race conversation. It is so many of us want to return back to normal. But there's, and I learned this the other day, there's so much deep-seated stuff and there's so much pain that's been caused. There's so much things that have changed. Going back to normal is not an option. It's not an option. It's And to me, honestly, I don't think it'd be healthy to go back to normal. Because what, we, because what we've seen is we saw where normal got us. Passivity. Doing things just okay. Being, being all right. With hurt, with pain, and, and just sweeping it under the rug. And What I believe what this has taught me and has shown me is that we can't. And, and, and there's some things that we've learned inside of this season, inside of this pandemic that are healthy. I'd say that are good. I'd say that are glorifying to what the Lord is wanting to do. And that's being with your family. And that's being around your people. And that's loving God's people. Right? And so and I think so many of us, we're, we think we're listening to some type of enemy or some type of devil. When we hear, hey, the masks aren't real. I have to, because in Washington, we have to wear masks all the time, man. I have to wear a mask all the time. I have to do this, then boom, boom, boom. And this is what I want to say protect yourself, protect your family. And if you feel oppressed by wearing a mask, just realize that that's not the deepest oppression that there is in the world. And please look at more than yourself and that you are bigger than yourself. Okay? Okay, cool. Um, so next one I'll move on to, guys, is this. Is the Black Lives Matter movement violent? I was uh, listening to a video. It's uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, chair in New York. Is She's posing the question in such a way uh, to set him up, right? Violence, violence, violence. And I love what homie says. And what he's saying is, hey. It's interesting that you're calling this Black Lives Matter movement, you're calling our rallies, you're calling our situation, you're calling it violent when this country was built on violence. All right. Uh, on some of my social media, I can't go as into depth with it and some of the things, but on this podcast, on my podcast, we're going to dive into those things. The violence that has been shown, not just in, Amer in our country, but in our faith is despicable. I mean, white Europeans, European, fair-skinned people came over and said, oh, wow, this is new, even though there were people already here who were already a part of this, who are already living on this land. It was their land. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just thinking about so many stories of, I'm even thinking about the song, this land is my land, this land is your, like, hold on, this land is my land, I, you took it. Anyway, so... Anyway, we and, and so they take the land and then they bring over people to take care of the land. And I remember I was in a conversation with my little bro. And he says, man, why were white people so lazy? <laughs> but they weren't just lazy. They were violent. 
This country is built on violence. And so, so often when I hear people say, man, how could you take a knee? How could you be upset? How could you want to riot and protest? I would say because that's what's in our DNA. That's what we've been taught is right. In school, we've been told, yo, protest, yo, riot, because that's how you're going to get what you want. That's how the white boys did it back in the 1700s. So why can't we do that now? And so this is what I'm going to say, and that's why I don't need us to understand, is that is the Black Lives Matter movement violent? I'm sure that there is violence that has and will come out of the Black Lives Matter movement. But I want to understand is when you have a people and understand that not all black people are homogenous and not all people are homogenous. But when you have a, a, a section of people who are hurt, violence may come out. Now, I'm not saying that I want violence to happen. I don't want people hurt. But what I'm saying is when people break stuff or, or get hurt about stuff, we have to understand that there is systemic oppression that has been placed on them. And you're going to yell. Man, when I was a kid and when I used to get in arguments, I can remember that I would I would literally shut down. And I used to do this a lot like today. I'd shut down. And so if I was arguing with someone, I would just be quiet. I can't talk to you. And I would tell people, be quiet as an adult. Like, stop talking to me. Because I couldn't gauge. I felt so maybe oppressed. And these are just arguments. But I felt oppressed and I felt like I had nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. So the only way I knew how to go is either yell or get violent. Now, I didn't get violent, but I would yell a lot. And so what I'm going to say is this is what I see in, in my people and so many people are hurt. People are like, well, okay, so you didn't care about this before. But, man, when it's centralized, and I think some of this is because of the pandemic, you better believe that. I believe if George Floyd happened when we weren't in a pandemic, we wouldn't care as much. Churches wouldn't block off whole conferences and change what they believe and what they're doing because of Carl Lentz, who's a white pastor, wouldn't stop everything and bring people in. This wouldn't be a regular conversation. You wouldn't have people arguing over do Black Lives Matter. You wouldn't have people arguing over this situation. So I believe there's change happening. But when people are hurting, we have to react right. We have to react the right way, not the white way of I'm going to come in and save you and and save the situation, but the right way and saying, I'm going to come bring healing to a people, come bring healing to a nation, come bring healing to people who are who, who are in pain. And so is the Black Lives Matter movement? I'd say no. And And this is interesting to me. If you have an issue with the Black Lives Matter and, and I've heard people say it's Marxist and if you really read it, some people say, well, look, well, there is some values and, and the leader says this and this. I said, OK, OK, cool, cool, cool. You have your beefs, have your political whatever. But if you can't even say Black Lives Matter, that's where my issue is. And some people said, well, it's just a phrase. It's just a statement. It's just this. I said, no, because all lives matter is important to you. So why can't I say Black Lives Matter? Because if at the top everything matters, that means everything underneath that must matter as well. And so how we combat, how people combat Black Lives Matter, how people combat saying Latino, how people combat saying that we care for our immigrants, how people combat that is saying, well, we're all one people. 
And that's the language, and I heard this, that's the language of the oppressor. Unification, uniting is the language of the oppressor because what it does is what it says is, hey, we're all supposed to be the same. But uniting is not being the same. Uniting is knowing that we're different and coming together and working towards a goal. Okay, like the body of Christ. He says that all of us have different functions. Parts of the body have different functions, but there's no way that the hand could tell the foot, hey, yo, I don't need you or look, I'm doing this by myself. Okay, now the brain's probably up there like, yo, I'm putting this all together, but you see what I'm saying? Is that there's different parts of the body. And so since there's different parts of the body, there's no one that can say I'm more important than the other. But understand that Jesus doesn't say that there are different parts that do the same thing. There are different parts that do different things that work towards the same goal to keep our body moving, to keep us asleep, to keep us regulated, to make sure we don't get the coronavirus, to make sure that if we do, that our body is fighting it. Is this making sense? I hope so. So it's not violent. It's just that for so long... We, we, people have been quiet. People said, okay, this is the way it's going to be. But understand, there are systems. When I watched this video the other day and it said, hey, there's no such thing as systemic racism. And yeah, you can throw that statement out. But when you actually look at the system, it, people have said that we set these situations up. We set the war on drugs up to combat black people. We make up a very minuscule amount of the nation for how many people there are. But then when we go over and look at the incarceration rate and who's in prison, it's the numbers are staggering. I don't know if it's 70 percent or 90 percent or so, but the, the fact that more people I am, I am not the majority and never will be. But I'm still the majority in prison is a big deal. Is a big, big deal. So is it violent? I would say I would stop before you ask this question. This is what I would say. Understand the country that you love, the country that you serve, the flag that you worship for some weird reason is violent, is based on violence. Kill, steal, destroy, and get what's ours. And yeah, sure, I'm here because of that. If this country wasn't made, who knows? Would my life even be a thing? What I'm saying is this country is built on the oppression of people. And the murder of people. So then this leads into my next thought. Because what I love about doing this is I can kind of just go where I believe we got to go. And what I and what I believe we got to go is to this place with our white brothers, sisters and believers who can't agree with some simple statements. What about black on black crime? But what about this? But what about this? See, if someone comes to you and says, I am scared of my life, and but you bring facts to them, understand that you two are operating out of two different parts of your brain. There's so many people who are facts oriented, but actually they don't operate out the feelings. So, you know, we have feelings, but there's some people who are so facts oriented, they can't see the feelings. So for me as Nate Dean, I might not have all the facts but what i still say is as a black man i've been pulled over and i've seen the injustice that has been done towards me and i've seen white people been pulled over and it's like a hippie doodah day it's a chill day i've seen the pain i, I uh elijah mcclain is is something that's been eating at me i don't know how to talk about it i don't know how to speak 
speak about it. It's It's been so hard. Because I've heard the argument, well, don't do anything illegal. Okay, cool. And this boy, man. Young man. my Around my age. Love to play the violin. Love to hang out with the animals. Love to just be a be a kid. And he's made a weapon. And if you look at him, I'm just saying, if you look at this guy, if you look at Elijah, he's not a weapon. But he's weaponized because he was tanned in the womb. So when people operate out of hurt, out of violence, I'm saying, hey, maybe we what we need to do is say, where's this pain coming from? Because of me right now, I am in pain over Elijah. I didn't know. And I'll admit that I didn't know the business of life. But now I know. And now I have to do something about it. And that leads me to my next thought, y'all. It's what's right. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is, is the Black Lives Matter violent? What's right? And this is what I would say what is right. God's way. We already know that's true. But we have to also change and we have to also ask for justice. See, he, see, God is the author of justice. But what's right? See, I am not saying that if you don't know and you don't do anything, I would say, okay, you get a pass. Now, it's not okay just not to know and be like run away from things. No, you need to learn. But this is where... I've heard people, white people have been like, hey, I feel like a fraud. I feel like um, I'm being called an, uh, a, a performance activist. I feel like I'm being called all these things. What do I do? And this is what I said. I said, okay, you didn't know, but now you know. So now that you know, you have no excuse to not be in this fight now. Now that you know, you have no excuse to sit back in the, sit back and, and wait for someone else to do it. Now that you know, you must do something about it. Well, well, I, I just don't know if I'll say the right thing. I just, well, who cares? Say something. Use your privilege to say something. Use your voice to say something. Use your voice to speak up for somebody because so often, too often, I would say, too often we have people, we have white people, we have believers that are that 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 could free up some tension in this fight. But since they're so scared to say something, they say nothing and people continue to get hurt. Protests don't work. Riots don't work. Well, we know the Boston Tea Party, right? Riots don't work. Well, um, they actually said that the uh, no-knock law is silly, and they're taking it out. Places, people, places are being defunded. Stuff that people that are being hurt are, are being freed. Officers are being arrested. So don't stop applying the pressure. So what's right? Keep applying pressure. And once you know, you better tell somebody. And once you figure it out, you have no excuse to wait on first wait for somebody else to do something about it. Wait for someone else to do something right. Wait for someone else to step up. No, it is your time to step up. It is your time to step up. If we don't, friends, if we don't, who will? If we don't, who will? If we don't, who will? I'll say it again. If we don't, who will? What's right? Stepping up for God's people. Speaking up for God's people. It, it's it's crazy to me that when you bring up 
hey, I just want to matter. I just want to exist. That it's violent. That it's, wait, hold on, wait a second. I, I told this story and you've heard it before. Someone said, well, well, man, what if you know the black struggle, but you also are saying, hey, what about us? And it came from an Asian friend. I said, no, I see you. I see you. I said, I said, I'm with you. I said, but if your house was on fire and your PC burnt down, all this burnt down, and then homie came over and was like, dang, that's crazy that your house is on fire, but all houses matter. You smack them upside the head. See, the same logic that so often we use to combat certain ideas, we, we don't use on our own ideas. <laughs> okay, you see how silly this, all this matters? Because we know that. But look at it. All lives matter. So, so that means black lives matter. So there's an, I'm not saying a false statement. I'm saying a true statement. But you say, but all, and then it's because as soon as a different color than whiteness is given center stage, everyone goes, whoa, wait a, wait a second. See, Pat Tillman, see, Tim Tebow took a knee for their faith and for this, and it was pretty. But as soon as Colin Kaepernick, who's a black man, says, ah, I'm doing this because the injustices are being done to my people in America. Well, hold on a second. See, what we have to do, and I'm throwing a lot of terms at you guys, a lot of phrases at, a lot, at you guys, but we got to decenter whiteness, right? Because the world has been focused on being white. White is right. But we have to tell the world, we have to remind them that, no, white ain't right. And, and it's a way, it's a culture, it's a color, it's a skin color, it's a pigment. Caucasian ain't real. But what I'm saying is that, no, white ain't right. It's a way. And for a long time, we see where we've gotten in our world with the violence. And so, what's right? Seeing God's people, loving them well, and caring for the people that Jesus did. The immigrant, the poor, and the oppressed. That's who Jesus cared for. If you hear the word immigrant, you automatically think about a certain culture. Check your heart. Check the privilege. Check your racism. Right. It's those it's for those who are it's for those who are poor. If you think of poor and you're thinking of one strict skin color, I want you to check yourself. I want you I want you, I want you to go through this compass and say, what? Why am I feeling these thoughts? Why have I learned what I learned? Who taught me this? Who taught me this? I want you to know who taught you. Go to them and say, hey, I got some more information. Let's learn together. Let's learn together. I said I was going to get to this idea of how do we effectively disagree. But man, I think I think that's a good place to stop. That's a good place to stop. On this podcast, we will not stop talking about the racial injustice that's going on in our country. The church cannot stop talking about it. Jesus would not want us to stop talking about it. Jesus believes that black lives matter. And if you don't believe that, check your heart. I'm not saying you're going to hell in a handbasket, but I would say check your heart. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Please share. Send me your thoughts. I, I'd love to know what you guys are thinking. And uh, guys, this is the Youth of the Nation podcast, and we are back. I'll see you all later. Peace. <laughs>